Sony strikes back, Bing gets more AI, and Windows 365 finds a new home. Happy Friday, friends. There was, uh, it's been two weeks. Two weeks I was last week at this time. I was walking through Death Valley at the lowest point in the United States and uh, go visit the national parks. That's what we did for spring break out in Utah. Wonderful place. Highly recommend it. You should go, uh, go explore nature. Uh, it's a feature that the internet doesn't work and not a downside. So anyways, hopefully you've had a wonderful two weeks. I am refreshed, recharged. It's, it's a Friday and uh, let's dive in. So for the first podcast ever, I am fully on the loop. I'm now losing, using loop. I was using notion. I'm trying to get over to loop. There's still some quirks and features inside of loop that aren't quite there. Namely the biggest issue right now I have with loop is that the keyboard shortcuts aren't fully implemented or available specifically like the context menu. So, uh, I, one of the things I do, which I've mentioned, I do a notion, which loop completely rip, but it's fine is you can change the highlight real easily of the text. So like if you write, I'm using loops for notes, I highlight it green because that's a positive thing, at least in my mind. And so I highlight it green just to in, you know, sort of highlight the tone of the messaging. And you can't do that strictly through keywords. You got to use mouse and uh, Notion does that better, but I suspect it's a keyboard shortcut. Microsoft will implement that. So we're now syncing notes all over the place with loop, just trying to get more immersed into that world. And uh, we'll see how much they continue to copy Notion uh, going forward. So uh, things Microsoft is unrelentlessly pushing forward is their AI stuff. This is no surprise. Microsoft, there was a quote that came out from uh, Sundar, the CEO of Google, did an interview in Washington Post and somebody quoted it and added some additional context. At some point along the way, I believe Microsoft said for every 1% of search that they can claw away from Google, it's roughly a billion dollars in revenue or opportunity for Bing, which is why Microsoft is going so crazy in this industry because for Microsoft, they don't necessarily care about million dollar opportunities. They're a trillion dollar company. So billion dollars is only where things really make sense. And AI and search is obviously a billion dollar opportunity and Microsoft thinks they can go crazy and claw a bunch away from Google. And I don't disagree. They've got a lot of momentum right now, which is why they're taking the Amazon approach or the Alexa approach, if you will, with this Bing AI. And what I mean by that is they're shoving it into everything. Do you, if you go back in time, there was a point in history of two, maybe it's four years ago at this point, where Amazon was shoving Alexa into everything, like microwaves, clocks, just if it had a place in your home affixed to something, it probably had an Amazon assistant built in. And so Microsoft is doing that now. Uh, this week, they announced that they're bringing Image Creator to pretty much everybody who has Edge. This is their Dolly 3, but they're not calling it Dolly 3. Their Dolly uh, image generation tool. And also, SwiftKey, which is the keyboard that Microsoft bought many years ago. I don't even want... Feels like it was like two years ago, but it's probably like six or seven or something now at this point. Who knows? Microsoft bought SwiftKey, and at one point, if you if you all remember, SwiftKey actually got pulled from an app store, and then all of a sudden it came back, and now we know why it's back. It's because SwiftKey now has Bing AI built in, and you can get your Bing chat directly from this keyboard, and it's another opportunity for Microsoft to try to get more search queries through its funnels. Now, what we still we know how they're going to do it initially is this monetization model, but there's an interesting phenomenon going on right now where Bing, these chat queries are incredibly expensive. Uh, as an example, I was talking with Owen Williams on Twitter yesterday. We used to work together, write together over at Neowin, and he took a video, tossed it into chat GPT, and then turned it into a GIF. That is incredibly expensive. You're sacrificing many GPUs at the altar of GIF creation, and that's for a single query. That does not scale. And so 
it's going to be interesting to see how Microsoft actually tries to monetize this. Yes, contextual ads where it's like click number two for the source or whatever from Edmunds.com. Who if you're searching a car, I think Edmunds is cars. And that's all going to work. But I don't know if that's going to be enough to actually offset the cost. And so are we going to get videos? I don't know. Or are you going to have to start paying for so many queries a month? We will find out. It shall be interesting to see how Microsoft eventually coughs it up. Uh, maybe they're just waiting for like, they might just be thinking, look, we got to sacrifice revenue right now to gain market share, which is a viable business strategy. And with the hopes that these search query costs will come down to a reasonable level to where we compete with uh, just basic ads, we will find out. Or potentially they could find out that the click-through rate, which is a key metric in online advertising, is exceptionally higher with a Bing chat AI thing. And so maybe they can charge more for it and that would help offset as well. We will see. So just keep that in mind. Keep that. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, anyways, uh, Windows 365 got a new feature called Frontline Option. Uh, this is a, so Microsoft has this cloud PC option where you can basically run Windows in the cloud, if you will. They're also kind of quasi-leaked, but this has already shown off. If you've ever used the virtual desktop feature where you can see virtual desktops, they're also going to start including the cloud desktop in that little pop-out or that little fly-out, if you will. So you can quickly switch to it. That has already been known. There was an insider build and some people were able to make it enable it. And it looks like this is coming very soon. But this frontline option is targeted more at business users where you can allow up to three people on a single license as long as they're sort of rotating through, think shift work, uh, um, access this stuff. Now, there's also a new app for LG smart TVs where you can actually run your Windows desktop through the cloud on the, the TV itself. All you need is a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse and you're up and running. This is essentially a thin client, if you will, at best. And that's that's the experience that Microsoft is chasing with this frontline option. So it's super interesting, super interesting. Uh, Microsoft 365 Copilot, which is again, just their AI stuff, is uh, coming soon to OneNote, shocking absolutely zero people. And also Outlook for Windows, the email app that Microsoft is slowly replacing the built-in mail app with, now adds support for Gmail accounts. It took a long time to get there, but now you can do that. And also this week, Edge, Edge, uh, I was going to say finally, but Edge gets a split view window. This was shown up. I don't think it leaked. I think Microsoft announced it. So basically you can have one Edge window open and two sort of web pages open. It snapped side by side is the best way I can describe it inside of a single frame. It's an interesting feature. I'm sure there are absolutely use cases for it. I don't necessarily know if I have one at least yet, but it's going to be good for people who are on single monitor displays, who want to get side by side, who don't want to have two Edge apps side by side. <clears throat> so the one thing I don't know, and I, I think it should work, is I don't know if you can alt-tab between them. The only reason why I say I think it should work is that in Windows, I believe it caches, or that's probably the wrong term, indexes the last five tabs that you had open, and you can alt-tab between those. I don't. I think you have to enable that. I don't know if it's by default. It doesn't matter. So it might work where if they're truly just tabs in those little windows, then you should be able to alt-tab. So there you go. Uh, on to the gaming news of the week where there's some spice from Sony. But first, Microsoft has released a new recycled materials controller. It's sort of a, an earthy tone green and there's some browns in there. It also comes with a rechargeable battery. Microsoft is promoting the fact that this is made from a... I don't think they actually give us the percentage, but I was going to say a significant amount of recycled materials, but it's definitely made of recycled materials, comes with a rechargeable battery pack, will cost $85. So uh, that rechargeable pack is, is certainly increasing the price for Microsoft is saying, realizing that the cost of these controllers is a little bit more. But if you want to buy a recycled controller made from uh, plastic, 
It has been refurbished, recycled. Uh, yeah, there you go. Quantum Break has been temporarily removed from the Xbox and Steam stores. It will be coming back. This is purely a licensing issue. This has actually been, uh, licensing has always, not always, but has become a troubling little thing for Microsoft as they try to move into the streaming world because a lot of their back catalog, uh, their old, old stuff, I mean, does not have the appropriate licensing when they acquired the IP or whatever to allow streaming and Game Pass sort of stuff. So they have to go back and renegotiate a lot of this stuff. And it looks like Quantum Break sort of fell into that hole. Now, on the Sony side this week, it looks like Sony is going to be building another handheld controller. Although the details are a little bit slim on this one. It's called the Q-Lite and it looks like it might be streaming games inside your home. It might be a feature from your console. And so it seems like it would have to have some sort of dedicated games as well, because this feels more like Logitech G Cloud sort of thing, but you have to be in your house. Um, we'll wait for more details on it, but it looks like Sony is definitely going down the handheld route again. But more importantly, Sony came out slashing and gashing at the CMA's report saying that they're basically pivot on the fact that they don't think that Microsoft will become a, a by buying Activision will become uh, a powerhouse entity and ruin the market. Uh, they've come out and said, nah, the CMA is completely wrong. And they pointed to the Redfall bit of information. Now, there's a little bit of controversy about this. There was some information that came out that said Redfall was going to be available on PlayStation. And then once Microsoft acquired the publisher or the, the developer, they said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. And then Microsoft came out and with a very carefully crafted statement says uh, that it had not pulled any games from PlayStation, that it has in fact, expanded our footprint of games after releasing the PS5 exclusive Deathloop and Ghostwire uh, Tokyo on Xbox. So it's carefully crafted language from Microsoft. So I suspect, as with most things where uh, it was leaked that, hey, Redfall was coming to PlayStation and Microsoft was saying, no, we did not pull it. There's, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle of it. It's probably something like we didn't pull it because it wasn't set up for release. We just stopped development or something like that. Uh, but either way, Sony jumped on this and said, look, Microsoft is screwing us over. We were supposed to have Redfall. They pulled it from us. They're going to do the same with Call of Duty. And I'm not going to rehash the narrative because it's we're basically in a loop at this point. Not a Microsoft loop, but a loop of Sony saying Microsoft's going to intentionally sabotage Call of Duty. Microsoft saying, no, why would we do that? We have too much money invested in this. So there you go. There are just a couple handful of questions this week. I actually think I forgot to, I can't remember if I tweeted out or tweeted out exceptionally. You can always find me on the Twitter at BD Sams. And if you care about national park pictures, you can find me on the Instagram at BD Sams. And you can also find me on the YouTube at BD Sams. Uh, if you're noticing a trend there, congratulations, you passed a uh, second grade. <laughs> pattern recognition. So uh, QNOX says, hey Brad, can you explain the point of Surface devices? To me, uh, these feel like a niche thing that won't become big anytime soon. What do you think Microsoft sees in Surface? Let me recommend a book to you, my friend, called Beneath a Surface. I literally wrote it about uh, the history of Surface and why it exists. But the nutshell version of it was that back in the day, and the modeling has changed. I think most of us would agree the modeling has changed. Initially, it was supposed to be a flagship product, some, a company who could spend uh, on the premium metal material, not a terrible keyboard, a high-resolution display, high PPI, trying to create a premium class of Windows product to go up against, let's be honest, the apples of the world was the initial intent. And Microsoft, that was the point of it when it launched. If you looked at how they positioned all this stuff, it's premium, premium, premium. And now, nowadays, they've kind of moved on from that premium, premium messaging. They still make great products for the most part. Uh, they do have their misses on occasion. 
That being said, the point was supposed to be aspirational Windows devices. That was, if you want to put it into a single phrase, that would be it. These days, I don't know. They've kind of clawed back those ambitions, I think, because they realized that the business model for crazy Windows devices maybe just doesn't make sense. I mean, Surface Book 3 evolved into the Surface Laptop Studio because they realized that, hey, people just kind of maybe just want a laptop. Uh, we have the Surface Duo. These things have been slow to come out. I'm not saying they're bad devices, but they haven't, they don't, ha they're not, they don't have a significant market share or honestly really any meaningful market share to go aggressive. So when they launch these things, it's tough to break even. The Surface Pro has been uh, probably the outlier of success. It did very well in business. I don't quite know how well it's doing in business today. The Surface Laptop has done, uh, I believe, met expectations because some people just want a simple, plain vanilla metal laptop. And it doesn't have any stickers or anything else. And the Surface Laptop does that well. Uh, Paul Gutha says, has there been any updates on the progress for dark mode? Is Microsoft working on a single screen phone? Uh, dark mode? I don't think so. Right now, I think if we're going to see any significant updates to dark mode, it's probably going to come with a Windows 12, where we're going to see a bit of a refreshed user interface. That being said, Microsoft is updating Windows very frequently. It's not that it's not going to happen, but there's still definitely that... I don't want to know if I want to call them edge cases, but there's still certain plenty of places in Windows where you open it up and the dark mode is not fully implemented. I don't know if Microsoft's working on a single screen phone. Honestly, I don't know why they would. Uh, that market is pretty well maxed out, and I don't know if a single screen Surface Duo or Surface Uno, if you will, would actually move the needle for Microsoft in any meaningful way. And the Joe Finn wrapping it up for the week. He says, Microsoft's new product launch strategy historically has been slow with years between substantial updates. With all these 365 Copilot features integrations be any different? This is a good question. So what he's referring to is in the olden times, and we're kind of back to that, Windows gets a new update every three years, like a new version, if you will. Look how long it took Loop to come to market. It was like two or three years. And so this Copilot stuff is just being rammed right down. And so I think we're going to see these Copilot stuff come to market faster in a monetized way, mostly because Microsoft realized the importance of it. And it seems like it's an all company initiative on that front at this time. And so I think we will see it. The question becomes is we're still waiting for Microsoft to fully monetize it on the business side. They've had these weird things in the past, not weird, I should say, like, what was it, FigJam? Now there's SharePoint Syntax, not Syntax, and these other sort of document servicing things, but it seems like Copilot is going to uh, supersede all of these. And so maybe that's the business model that we will see. Fear not, Microsoft will be charging this in some way. There's no way that they're not going to try to bump the fees, uh, especially to try to cover some of those heavy and expensive search queries. So there you go, my friends. That wraps it up. I don't know why I keep rolling these out. Maybe it's because I'm relaxed. Maybe it's because it was a good week. It is a holiday in uh, in the U.S., so there's. I'm expecting... The second half of this week was pretty slow. I'm expecting the first half of next week to be a little slow. We are waiting to see, by the way, I forgot on the gaming side, that Western digital storage medium thing uh, that competes with the Seagate. It hasn't been announced. It was on the Best Buy website. So we'll wait and see if that maybe gets announced next week. But either way, my friends, as always, keep it subscribed here because the only BS on this podcast is me. <laughs>